We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now, 905-529-7165. Just leave a message. They'll get back to you. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. You can even ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning, Scott. morning, Scott. Good to see you all again. What a terrific week it's been. Yes. Yeah. We're going to start the show off today with a very difficult subject. Uh, and losing a life partner. This is something very difficult to go through just emotionally, but also the responsibilities involved. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and this is something for Don and I that we always, I think not a year goes by where we're experiencing one of our clients or a partner that has passed away. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's the result of a lengthy illness. Sometimes it may be sudden or unexpected. But either way, you know, it's a very difficult emotional time. And, and you're just trying to figure out how to get back on your feet. But there's certain financial decisions that can't wait, yeah. and there's certain financial decisions that uh, that you can definitely put off. And I think, you know, when and when people are ready, that's what we're here for for that long term planning as well. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the, I guess, the first stage, which is really what are the things that you need to do now, and then stage two, or what are the things that are going to be part of that long term plan, right? And you know, the, I think at the very beginning, obviously, what happens is Don and I will get a phone call, mm-hmm. and it's usually um, a special you know, telling us that their partner has passed away, or it could be um, the son or a daughter mm-hmm. uh, who are mom and dad are passed away. And do you ever get used to that? You don't, because it's always you know them. You do know them, yeah. and you know them. Uh, you know them personally. You know mm-hmm. them financially, and you know the ins and outs of probably about their family and, yeah. and their family members and and everything. So, in a lot of cases, they've been clients of us for twenty five years, and mm-hmm. uh, and you know you've seen right. them literally from. When their kids were just learning to drive, in some cases, they got married and yeah. so forth. So you know the whole family. You followed it. Very yeah. well, yes. And and that's part, and part of the point is that, you know, we've had clients who's passed away in their 90s. And and that celebration, I shouldn't say celebration of life, but the celebration of life is, yeah, is different. much different yeah. when they're in their 90s. And whereas somebody if passes away in their 60s and yeah. they've just started their retirement, it's a much different feeling. And mm. and it's how often do we hear about that still happening where yeah. somebody had, had dreams and, and aspirations for their retirement, mm-hmm. but it's just been cut short. And, and so, you know, I guess in the days and the, and the months following that, uh, immediately following a death, the, there's, there's a lot of things that are sort of, it's upheaval, it's finances, it's uncertainty, yeah. and it's emotional times. And, and we also know that people's um, circumstances will change in terms of, uh, it may just be your social life, your personal life, people may drift into your life, people may drift out of your life after a loss mm-hmm. of a partner as well. So all of that is changing, uh, as we know. So I think the first thing is that everybody needs to Obviously, they contact their uh, trusted advisor uh, and also contacting your lawyer. And mm-hmm. you, you need to have a copy of your will. Yeah. The, the will is going to tell you right away some important information. And this is where friends and uh, and Don and I are, are there to be able to help people too. This information, we can kind of come together with it and understand and sort of prioritize what needs to get done right away. But the will basically is going to tell us, you know, who is the actual executor, if it's you. Maybe it also named a joint executor or an alternate. And that's great because if there was a joint or alternate executor named, then that's somebody that you may want to bring in just for support and assistance because Mm -hmm. they may end up having to do some of the the, the legwork as well to help you. Um, And it's a good idea to check your own will. So we actually want you to bring both in because you may, just to make sure, but in many cases, an alternate beneficiaries have been named. So let's say, you know, if something happened to me, 
I said, well, I'm going to give all of my money to my spouse. Mm-hmm. But if, um, uh, if, if my spouse dies, then who does it go to? Yeah. Did I name alternate beneficiaries? What, you know, if my spouse predeceases me or my spouse doesn't survive me by 30 days, it's going to go to X. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so just to confirm that that's been completed, and if not, maybe you need to change your will and update that as well. Um, the, the next thing is going to be the death certificate. And the death certificate is provided by the funeral home, and they usually will give you multiple copies, but a death certificate needs to be provi- provided to every financial institution that you're involved with, mm-hmm. including um, insurance companies for life insurance, death benefits, uh, your your bank, your investment companies, et cetera, and they will all all then go into action in terms of putting together um, the next steps to uh, resolve or deal with that account for the individual, the Mm -hmm. deceased. Um, Another important thing is the title of the home. And this is something, although this is not an urgent one, it is something that we ask for because we want to make sure that if the home was registered in joint ownership, that the title needs to be changed to individual ownership. Right. And often that one gets uh, left behind, and then suddenly on the second death, things are kind of left up in the in the air because the first death wasn't ever, ever acknowledged in terms mm-hmm. of the title on the on the property. Can that change things as a result? No, but it 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 really where we find it it's problematic is when somebody goes to sell the house later right, on. Right. Right. So now the the, the widow or widower is looking to move out of the home at some point down the road, and now they have to go back and deal with this administrative piece as well. Um, And then uh, the other piece would be pension plan administrators. So if your uh, spouse was receiving a pension, you need to get in touch with those pension plan administrators. Um, And some some people work for large companies where there may be a human resource department and basically a phone call is all you need. In other cases, it's a small company and you kind of have to go beyond that to get directly to the pension provider and make sure you let them know as well. And that includes CPP and old age security. So those are sort of the immediate requirements. And I guess the, the only concern is if there isn't a will, then now you've got to go to the courts to be appointed as the executor to the estate. And that takes time to become the personal representative. But more importantly, it means you're not going to have any access to any of the investments or the accounts. The only things you would have access to is if you were named beneficiary directly on something, so a, like a life insurance policy, mm-hmm. um, a tax-free savings account, uh, an RSP or a RIF. In that case, the money um, goes directly to you. And so that process of being a court-approved executor uh, is not going to be, a, you're not going to be in a panic mode, right. but it certainly means time and, and more money as well. So hopefully people are getting wills done. We know that's still problematic because we see a lot of people die intestate without a will. Um, so once we sort of get over this initial part, we can really get the ball rolling in terms of dealing with each of the individual accounts that the deceased had. And then there's also going to be some tax, uh, some tax strategies that really come down to, you know, time of year in terms of did someone die at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year? And it sounds bizarre, but you, you know, you're taxed on your income up until the date of death. Right. And if you have a surviving spouse, many of your investments will roll over to your surviving spouse without any tax implications. But, um, you know, we jokingly say if you, if you die on January 1st, you basically have 
almost no income. Mm-hmm. You may have received one pension check, yeah. one Canada pension plan, one old age security uh, check. So your income is technically very low. Mm-hmm. So there's an opportunity to be able to include additional income in your uh, in your final uh, final year of taxes, and and that can come from either. If you had a joint account, for example, an investment account, and there were capital gains on it, mm-hmm. well, when that cap, when that account rolls over to the surviving spouse, then you will be able to declare. You can either roll over at no tax, no no capital gains, or you can declare the portion that is attributed to the deceased on their tax return for capital gains. So it is a way. It's not, you know, strange it sounds, but income splitting, yeah. uh, basically in that year of death. Mm-hmm. So now if somebody dies December 31st, then they're taxed on all of their income for the entire year. Right. And there would be no advantage, to, you know, typically to being able to do this kind of tax planning. Right. So, so tax planning also becomes part of the strategy, but you know, and that is important when you're settling these accounts. So when you're moving money from one person's, uh, say, joint to now just the survivors, you need to, you should be declaring to the institution how that's going to be treated for tax purposes. Is it going to be taxed now or is it going to be deferred and rolled over to the spouse? Mm-hmm. So that's advice that we can help people with at that time as well. So again, it's not something that, uh, hopefully it's something that your professional advisor can give you some ideas on. Um, you know, I guess, I guess some of the major decisions that we always say, what should you think about or what shouldn't you do? And really, you know, it, it's, you're now on your own and your living expenses are probably going to change. And so it may be, you know, do I stay in this expensive house? Mm-hmm. This is a big house. It was for two of us. I mean, do I need to stay here? Hold on. Don't worry about that right now. Yeah, maybe it costs you more to be there right now, but that's okay. We can work through that. So what Don and I like to do is we go back to the very beginning and we do a new financial review. So we want to understand what are your new expenses right now and what are the assets that you have to work with? And we call that up. So a personal financial review. And, and I think that, um, you know, that, that helps give you a sort of a begin to get a framework of what the future is going to look like. And, it, I think it helps too in terms of just taking some of the stress off yeah. you from from the standpoint of, you know, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. So really the guidance then, we sort of start to paint a little picture of what the future is going to look like and where the income is going to come from. We also want to give you some guidance. What do we need to do right now? And then what are the things that we can put off and we can worry about later? Right. And, you know, in most cases, things like life insurance, for example, which comes to you tax-free as a beneficiary, uh, there's usually some questions that will swirl around that. Should, should we be paying off debts? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the mortgage should be paid off. Maybe the mortgage shouldn't be paid off. Should I be investing it? Um, do I need to get some income from it? Maybe I need to pay for some education costs still for some children. So we we want to help you kind of figure out what to do with that insurance money as well, because right. there's some important decisions and typically some need to be made right away. But in cases you can maybe park it or invest some of it depending on the bigger picture. Right. Um, so I think, again, coming back to the house, it's not a good idea to probably sell it right away. Uh, you can always sell it later. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, most people take that advice now. You don't uh, want to rush that. You don't need to rush that. No. Exactly. Um, and hang on a second. I just want to check my other note. And so, um, I think that the, the financial, the team that, that from a counseling standpoint, you're going to have, 
you know, your uh, tax preparer is going to be important because as they do the final taxes for the estate, uh, I think it's key to have somebody who is professional and does mm-hmm. that and knows how to do that because it is a more complicated tax return. Uh, you've got us, your certified financial planner, who is going to be helping you chart a new course, put together a new plan for yourself, income and expenses, etc. And then the lawyer who is going to be involved to help uh, finalize, you know, anything to do with the estate settlement, um, do, dealing with the will. And then the executors who are going to be helping you distribute money to beneficiaries down the road as well. So I think that if you've got a chance to to kind of settle in, realize that you're going to go through a period of mourning, it mm-hmm. takes time, um, and that there's um, if we can get the th- the things that need to be done right away yeah. in motion, Prioritize. we'll get those out of the way, and then the rest yeah. of the stuff we can work on as time goes by and as you feel more ready to deal with some mm-hmm. of the bigger decisions down the road. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can visit their website at andyanddon.com or call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. Going to talk about insurance this time out. Big mistake insurance. What does that mean? Big mistake insurance. You know, there's a lot of do-it-yourselfers uh, right now mm-hmm. uh, and more and more because it seems to be a focus on you know, the cost of the investment itself. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they charging you to look after your money? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, things such as robo-advisors have come into play, and which is basically a, a formula, which, uh, which is a bunch of indexed funds. It basically does what the index does, less whatever the fee is charged. Mm-hmm. In that particular case, you will never get the rate of return of the index Mm -hmm. because you will always be the index less whatever that cost is right so it's it is always a it's kind of interesting speaking with clients because they'll often say well you know you didn't beat the index in certain cases and it says well nothing an index fund doesn't beat the index Hmm. because they always forget about there's that fee and often it can be half percent right so you're guaranteed to be whatever that fee is but that's where people are are focusing on quite often and this has been of news of late particularly in the last two years where it's very easy to look at what is the, the price of the investment. What, is, what am I being charged? And what I like to point out is what's the difference between price and cost? And to me, I think there's a huge difference. And that's what the difference of a financial planner comes into the play here. And really, it's kind of interesting. Lou Holtz had a great quote. It says, you don't need big plays to win. You just have to eliminate the dumb ones. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and all it is is... Sounds it, easy enough. Oh, mm-hmm. it certainly is. And all it is is one dumb mistake can totally wreck your rate of return. So this is investment planning portion of, of uh, say, a, of a financial plan. And it's interesting. If you had 10 investments, that all did, out of 10 investments, 9 to 10%. But you had one, it was a bit of a flyer, but you put money into it, and it did zero. It actually not only did zero, it went bankrupt. You actually lost a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Even though you, and what happens I find is people remember the 10, the nine that did well, mm-hmm. but they'll forget about that one that just got tanked. It may not gone to zero, but it would, you know, may have done, for example, recently like Blackberry down from a hundred some odd dollars down to $10 mm-hmm. or Nortel or what have you. And they're still hoping and praying that something will happen to that, but they never like to include that in their average return. Yet it's 
we don't we don't have that luxury. If yeah. our fund managers have a dog in their portfolio, it's in there. It's it's yeah. part of the return. So the difference is we are financial planners. We're not economic forecasters. We're not going to tell you what's going to happen in the future. I do have a little crystal ball in my office. It's, it's never worked. I don't know how to work this thing, but I find it kind of interesting. because It's a paperweight. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It, you know, it's more it's of a cracked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conversation piece at best, but it's, there, there's certainly this feeling that we should know what way the market is, is going. And we're not market timers. We're not going to try to time the market to get you the best return. At very best, and Andy and I have talked about this for years, it's rebalancing your portfolio. And usually that's even tough enough because mm -hmm. usually we want to take f areas that have been doing poor and we want to buy more of those ones. Mm -hmm. Totally against, goes against the, the, the grain of human nature. So a financial plan where Andy and I talk about, and he just talked about estate planning. Certainly estate planning is part of it. Your tax plan. What about your cash flow? How much, is, how much are you burning through? What's your burn rate of, of money? And that's the one that's very different for everybody. Everybody has a, a slightly different burn rate, and that's their lifestyle. And sometimes it's not achievable. Sometimes I, I'll say, you know, you got to tone that down a bit. Uh, maybe not have a leased car. Maybe you may want to buy a car and hold it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. That might be a difference. Or buy a used car. Um, but on the other hand, I actually find a lot of people are under, under living. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, you know they actually could be having a far greater lifestyle. And we have to bring that to their attention also that they're actually, their burn rate's not even close to what they're, what's coming in each month. I tell you the guys that all the time. You never listen to me. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's gotten personal again. <laughs> we call it, I call it preventative spending and preventative saving. <laughs> and preventative spending, you know, do you remember the day, like I don't, when, when I remember growing up, if something broke, uh, dad or mom, they, we always tried to figure out how to fix it. Right. Like if it was yeah. your clothes that had a rip, it yeah. got mended. Yeah. If it was the toaster that broke, oh, yeah. it got fixed, like yeah. pulled apart and fixed. Yeah. Now we just, we nine times out of 10 people just throw it out and buy a new one. You yeah, know, right? that, that's so true. I've got a situation with my son Curtis and his bike. We got him, a, uh, he's got a bike, new bike this year yeah. for his birthday and the gears broke and whatever, da, da, da. It wasn't a real expensive bike. I uh, hope he's not listening. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, we were wondering, you know, by the time you take it in and get it fixed and blah, 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 it will probably be as much to fix the dang mm. bike as it will be to replace it. But that's the sort of society we live in it now. is and 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 i think that that we people were better in terms of preventative spending if we didn't have to spend money to replace all this stuff yeah. that's money that we could allocate towards our saving right mm -hmm. and yeah. towards our yeah. retirement so Absolutely. we're gonna sometimes we need to be a little more cautious that. now on the other side what don's talking about preventative spending you know you're so hung up on mm -hmm. watching every dollar that you actually hit retirement and you're afraid to spend money yeah and so to release yourself and actually be able to spend it is, is not always easy mm. oh yes absolutely and it's kind of funny is there's no perfect amount of savings to spending mm -hmm. we do find that we do attract the ones that are better savers because they have money yeah that's just that's the function of a saver they've mm -hmm. saved money and the ones that are constantly in debt, we don't seem to see a whole lot of those people, yeah. which is fine because they don't have any. They don't want to hear our message. Have, they, don't to, <laughs> they don't have the foresight. They don't see that, yeah. Now, we do uh, often talk to them um, with their parents involved or grandparents involved and, and give them a track to run on and then say, well, maybe you know a few years, but you got to start something. And I've had many um, appointments where you're, you're going through what we have, like a personal financial review and going through cash flow. And that's so important just to go through this exercise. And then, you know, if, if you're in a great shape, perfect, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll certainly lead you to the golden. But if you're not, we'll also show you things you no. need to improve on. But yeah, financial planning is an active, dynamic, living thing. 
it isn't just one page here. Here you go. Hope it works out for you. Yeah. This is an ongoing document. So when we see you, we'll, we'll, we'll do a full financial plan. And then, you know, maybe nothing changes in a year. Okay. Maybe it, maybe it does. And we update the plan. But if it's uh, simply, you know, my kids are thinking of going to uh, private school. Okay. Well, let's put that in the plan. See if that's even affordable. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of buying a cottage. I'm thinking of going on a big trip. How is this going to affect the plan? And it's so easy once, because it always changes. It's, it's a living thing. And it's great to have that. The peace of mind of having a full financial plan is fantastic. But there's, and, and also there's a bit of a cost to this because we're, we're paid through the investments people hold with us. Mm-hmm. But is that really a cost? Or is that an investment yourself? And this is, this is the difference. People are always looking at price. But the big mistake, it's really big mistake insurance. We're going through situations to make sure they don't make that big mistake. And we're all human. We all want lots of, well, lots of things. Um, and quite often we're emotional and we will often get into the markets at the wrong time or want to get out with every fiber of our being. Mm-hmm. Everybody says, you got to get out of the markets. It's going to go down. And we will make sure you don't do the wrong thing. And that is a huge difference, as I'll show you in a second. So, and it's so, it's amazing. We, we'll often pay a lot of money for car insurance or house insurance to avoid that big catastrophe. But having solid advice, and again, no different than, you know, you're paying for a professional. I know, I think Andy said last year, you, we don't do our own root canals. Mm. Uh, you know, gra- <laughs> grab, the, <laughs> grab the drill. Come on, honey, I looked at up the YouTube. I can There's do a this. dentist chair in my garage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold the mirror. <laughs> and, and this is absolutely the same thing. In fact, it might be maybe even more important. Yeah. Because other than health, you know, fin- finances is extremely important. So, you know, keeping clients on the plan, not during just good times. It's so easy. You know, I find, you know, the talk about index funds or ETFs, which basically are, are investment vehicles that just follow the index. They always come out as very popular items in, in good times. Mm-hmm. We've been doing this for over 31 years. I think Andy just hit his 32nd just recently. I did. It yeah. was this weekend. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. There you go. And it's funny. Way back then, even though they weren't that popular, there was index funds back in the late 80s. And that was before, they were just before October 87. I saw, first time I heard about them. Well, the market was on a big run. Of course, after our October 19th, 1987, the market dropped 25%. I never heard about index funds for about five years. Mm-hmm. And then they started on a run again. And every time the market's in, in doing very well for a period of time, you'll, you'll start seeing a lot more talk about the index funds. I personally don't have anything against them. It's just that it's, it's, it's just not having a plan that you need to have with them. So it's, a, it's avoid clients. It's, it's really to avoid clients making the wrong decision. For example, moving cash in a bear market um, that we saw that in 2008. People were cashing in their investments and moving to cash in, in streams, in droves. Mm-hmm. And every piece of media was saying, you know, you should put it in cash right now and wait this out. We were doing everything we could to keep them there. Uh, moving assets into the hot area or the new product. Hedge, hedge funds were all the big rage not long ago. Or REITs were the big rage before that. Or emerging markets and, and trying to find that hot new product. And it doesn't ever seem to be that hot after people are in them. Yeah. Um, tax planning, making sure you, you've got a proper plan. And not only uh, now, but this, that's one that changes 
well, basically after every budget, yeah. okay? The government's changing the rules, and, and it's nice to have somebody there beside you working with you as a team to make sure you get the best deal tax-wise from income splitting to getting all, all the credits or, or deductions you should get. Estate planning, is, as Andy just mentioned, you know, it's don't lose 53% yeah. of your estate because of tax. And there's ways around that and making sure you're prepared. But you can't do it, you know, a week before somebody passes on. Yeah. You have to plan for this. Cash flow management, as I talked about, extremely important. And that's, that's not only to accumulate wealth, but it's also those 30 years you may possibly be in retirement, which is actually not too far from the truth. Somebody retires at, say, 60, it's not to, not to say they won't live to 90. Yeah. Okay, so there's a third of their life. And to manage that cash flow. So financial planning is really in t a team environment. And I just had, you know, I had a call last week and uh, they met me about 25 years ago. And they've said they have had a wonderful retirement. They've uh, got a place in Florida and uh, their return has been somewhere, you know, in that 7% area. And he says, you know, there's no way we would have had this lifestyle had you not been there guiding us along. And I, I said, well, it's not just me. It's a, it's, it's a team. Mm -hmm. No, we, we give advice, but it's working together to make sure we're on the same page. So it's it's making that course and it's it's probable. Is it probable that that one percent that you're paying us is more than offset by you not making that big mistake? So it's interesting. Um, there's a study done by Dalbar. And it, they've been doing this for years. There's, this is actually Dalbar's 22nd annual conference was held. And they, they're basically an outside agency that studies the performance, US, okay, it's all the United States. It studies the performance of the S&P 500, okay, which would just simply be the US stock index versus the mutual funds held in the US, equity mutual funds, and how they've compared. Because it really should be about the same all things being equal. And it's really finding, it's, it's an, really what they do, they analyze the underperformance due to invest, investor behavior. And it is the number one cause for poor performance is investor behavior. Fees are second, hmm. okay? So number one by far is, by far, it's not even close as, well, as you'll see, is investor behavior. So over this last, say, 20 years, the average length of time an equity fund is being held was 4.1 years. So we talk about <laughs> years and years. Andy and I have been talking about long-term, hold them for a long period of time. Apparently, long-term planning is four years. Mm. It's and like high school. Yeah. <laughs> Today's high school, absolutely. And that just doesn't make sense. Fixed income returns, the average length somebody holds a fixed income fund is three years in the U.S., before they either change it to a different equity fund, or in this case, change it to another income fund. So when you see a performance of a fund and its 10-year performance has been, say, 7%, well, most people weren't even in it for that yeah. period of time. They're only in it on average for four years. So in a 20-year study, the S&P 500 averaged 8.19% per year. Pretty good. Okay, this ending, um, the end of uh, December 2015. Mm -hmm. Just if the S&P 500 did that much, what do you think the average client made during that 20 years? Mm -mm. Well, it worked out to 4.67%. The, 
the difference is three and a half percent between what the index did and what the average client did. And it's because they're in it for about four years before they switch and they're trying to time the market. Right. So I worked it out that if you had a $100,000 20 years ago and you just put it in the index and forgot about it, you're, you would have, you'd be here today, sitting here today with $482,000. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. If you had done the average client in the US, you'd have 249000 a difference of 233000 yet the fund would have done very similar to the index, mm. okay? And if you did what most people do over that 20 years, you'd add some money. So let's say you added $11,000 a year, uh, whether it's an RSP, tax-free savings account, what have you, you would end up with a million dollars under the 8.19%. Just doing it, following blindly, doesn't matter what the, what the media says, you would have end up with a million dollars. The average client, though, would have ended up with 600000 hmm. a difference hmm. of 400000 So the performance, and this is the big mistake. This is the big mistake insurance. We really are what you, you, know, what you need to make sure you don't do the big mistake because it's costing clients about 40% of their return on average. Yeah. And that's a lot of money. You know, the difference of having basically a million dollars to 600000 And it's funny, the th- 30-year returns... Or even worse, a 30-year um, index the, in the S&P 500 did 10.35%. The average client did 3.66%. Wow. About a third. Hmm. So this is what we get paid for. And, and it's absolutely incredible when you look at some of our long-term clients that Andy and I have had over the last 30 years. And you've, we've got to see them go through all the stages of their life, as Andy mentioned earlier on, whether it's marriage, buying the house, upgrading their house, paying for weddings, going on vacation and right to the estate. And we're seeing them go through all this and we're keeping them from the big mistake. So that if we can find some way we can help clients going forward, that's all we do. And we look at the big picture and we make sure we keep them directly on the plan. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now by dialing 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll get back to you. And you can check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one, all one word, dot com. And of course, feel free to ask a question there via their listener inquiry button. Uh, we're going to talk about investor behavior. Investor behavior. Before, I, before we get, before Don talks about investor behavior, I just want to tell you a quick story about soccer and, and behavior. And this relates to our investment investment behavior as okay. well. And you know, and my kids were all into soccer and mm-hmm. big time and I had never played it when I was a kid. So I learned this game through watching yeah. them and started watching anyway on TV. Well, one of the most exciting parts of the game as I came to realize was the shootout yeah. at the end. So yeah. if the game ends in a tie yeah. and it has to be and if it's in a final, etc. and we've seen this in World Cups, we've seen this yeah. and everything. The shootout, and in fact, statistically, the number of heart attacks that happen during the shootout <laughs> really? phase is statistically significantly higher. Wow. So the deal is, is that the goalie stands in the center of the net yeah. and he can't move off the line, yeah. the, the goal line, and the ball is placed X number of meters from the center and the, the player gets to kick 
uh, the ball. Yeah. But you can't move until the ball's been kicked. Yeah. So the, the, the statistical analysis tells us that if the goalie never moves, he has a higher percentage chance of actually stopping the ball wow. than if he decides to go left mm. or decides to go right. But we were thinking about this. The analogy was that, can you imagine at these highly paid professionals and the audience, the crowd is watching, they're on edge and, and all they do is stand there in yeah. the middle. Yeah. They would have their head torn off the next yeah. day in the media. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe he didn't move. Yeah. He should have gone left. He should have gone right. Why did he just stand there? But, but would they the be reality saying it, is. But would he, they be saying that if he'd saved it? Ah, <laughs> If he can get if he can get through it, then yeah. He, yeah, absolutely. But that statistically, he's yeah. actually better off is to stand Stay. there yeah. and have better chance of stopping the ball. Mm. That leads us to our investor mentality. Absolutely, and this this is our human nature, and particularly uh, there's even a testosterone effect. Men even perform this this behavior more often that they feel they have to move. Mm-hmm. They have to move things in order to enhance the return, and. You know, the same idea, I've read this, I should do something with this information and maybe I'm going to call my advisor and move this as, as we don't do this. We're, we're, we're full asset allocation. We don't move things other than rebalancing. But that 08, 09, which seems like a distant memory is, you know, we're now talking, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, but uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult not to move. Mm-hmm. And it was driving people crazy of not, oh, we got to at least just put on the sidelines. Well, that doesn't make sense, especially when it goes up. But if it goes down, then, of course, we're to blame that we didn't move it. And eventually, of course, things change. But there's nine distinct behaviors that plague investors based on their personal experiences and unique personalities. First of all, the, number one is loss aversion. People hate to lose. Yeah. They, love, they, they like to win. Okay, Everybody likes winning, but they hate to lose. It's, it's a far greater emotion. So the experience... What they want is they want high returns with low risk. Okay, who doesn't? Yeah. That's, that's ingrained right in work our your DNA. Ma- work your magic. Yeah, come on. <laughs> what can you, you should be able to do that. Yeah. So again, and our job really is educating clients and changing what they expect of a financial planner. Number two is, is narrow framing. They're making decisions without considering all implications. So they heard that, for example, uh, you know, oil prices went up and therefore the market should go up. Mm-hmm. Why'd it go down? Or, or what have you? And, and they'll say, well, the Canadian dollar should be going down now because this is, there's so many other things that take place other than it's not just one thing causes the other thing. There's a lot of other, and it's a big picture. And, I, I, and often what we find in the media is they'll often have one cause for one effect. And there's actually probably about 100 causes. Mm-hmm. But it happened to be that was the one they wanted to look at. Number three, mental accounting taking undue risk in one area to avoid rational risk in another. So you're taking that penny stock often says, you know what, Um, I'm going to just do really well on this and that'll offset any of the losses otherwhere. Uh, I'm going to retire soon. I better increase my risk. Hmm. This one I heard recently says, I'm going to retire in five years. I got to get a higher return. I want to take on more risk now. It's time to gamble, baby. Yeah, time to gamble. (laughs) (laughs) Let's double Double down. Diversification, simple, um, seeking to reduce risk, but simply using different sources. Mm-hmm. And this one's very interesting. Quite often, they, want, they end up with the exact same asset and high correlation between each asset. So they think they're diversified, but they got four funds doing the exact same thing. Mm. 
And I know Andy and I, we look at this all the time and saying, what is the correlation between one area versus another area? So we're, we're not just simply buying four Canadian equ equity funds that all have the same thing. Number five is herding. The herd mentality, we're the best at this. Every, nobody wants to be, feel like they're left out. So copying the behavior of others, even in the face of unfavorable outcomes. And we saw this in the, in the uh, tech meltdown, so to speak, in the late, late 90s. Everybody was buying technology stocks. And it was honestly like, if you weren't there, you're missing on one of the best parties ever. Yeah. So you wanted to be part of the herd. Number six, regret. Treating errors of commission more seriously than errors of omission. So basically, you're looking, okay, there may be something you missed out on. And the feeling of regret for a lot of people was they sold, but then the market goes up. Mm -hmm. Now they regret selling it. Now they got to wait for it to go back down and it doesn't go back down. So now they're feeling this regret. Um, media response, tendency to react to news without um, reasonable ex ex examination. And that's very common. You know, the average person is working. They got lots of things on their plate. So they're hoping whatever news they get is accurate. And then they make a reaction to it. And uh, number eight is optimism. Belief that good things happen to me and bad things happen to others. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A great belief, sure. um, you know, to be optimistic, but sunny ways. It just doesn't really work when you're managing your money, okay? And bad things will happen to you if you don't follow the proper principles. And finally, anchoring, relating to that familiar experience, even when it's inappropriate. So you've anchored yourself, for example, to whatever happens to be something's happened in your life, and it doesn't even make sense, and you'll keep going to it. Said, so, you know, every time. Uh, there's a full moon and Thursdays, the markets go down and I know that's going to happen. So I'm going to sell it before that full moon, whatever it is. And it just doesn't make sense. So these are all ingrained humans behavior. It's very difficult for us to stop. It's right in our DNA. Mm -hmm. It's very, we're not wired to make money. And this is where Annie and I can certainly help you, at least with the investment portion, not to mention your whole financial plan. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Oh, it's time for a quiz. It's oh. game time. I love this part. <laughs> we quizzed you should last we, week. Should we open up the phone lines? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we quizzed you last week on budgeting. Right. And we discovered that you were... Um, uh, oh, you're not even keeping score. Are I you? am. What you is were, this? You were, my record You were at here. the high end of moderately ready for your retirement. Yeah. You weren't a financial all-star, but you were You yeah. were on the on the cusp there. So which this generated, week- Which generated laughter from the rest in the room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about investing and retirement planning. Okay. Investing and retirement planning. Now, um, there's a total of 15 points available through these five questions, so <laughs> we're going to see how we make out here. Uh, when you think of retirement, which of these statements is most accurate? Number one, I don't think about it at all. I have too many other priorities. Number two, I have a vague idea of what I want my retirement to look like, but I'm not sure how much money I will need. And number three, I know exactly what I want, to spend my retirement and I want to know, and I know what it'll cost. All right. Oh, there's only three? That's only uh, There's a fourth. No. 
I would say the correct answer would be three. Excellent. Wow, you must have a good advisor. Uh, I'm hanging around with the right people, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Question two. How is your plan to save for retirement going? Number one, I'm not saving regularly. Number two, I put money away regularly, but I'm not sure if it's enough. And number three, I'm on track to retire comfortably. Uh, one of you might have to leave the room for this one. <laughs> Can I say two and a half? Uh, I, well, the correct answer is three. Awesome. Uh, question three. <laughs> Are you satisfied with how you're investing, how you're investing your savings? Are you satisfied with how you're investing your savings? Number one, I have no savings to invest. Number two, I'm not sure. Number three, I'm investing my savings exactly how I want. Three. Awesome. Easy one. Uh, Number four, do you review your investments on a regular basis? Yes or no? Uh, Yes. Excellent. And... Well, I don't, but no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Finally, have you discussed your investment goals and risk tolerance with an expert? Yes. Yes or no? Yes. Excellent. All right. I think I'm 15 out of 15. Wow. You were 15 out of 15, which puts you into the financial all-star readiness category. Wow. You are financially ready. Though you probably knew you were in good shape, it always helps to see different areas where you're prepared and know your confidence uh, is well-placed. To see if you could be doing even better, you should speak to your advisor. <laughs> well, it's, it, you're like the after picture of somebody that's been now dealing with an advisor. And, and it's interesting. We have that all the time. We, we deal with people and you know, they, they think they're doing very well. And, and quite frankly, a lot of them are doing very well, um, but they just got kind of scattered all over. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. I was 30 when I started. 30, good for yeah. you. Yeah. And that's kind of late. Like if I, I tell my, I tell my kids to start earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it. I think I was thirty when I started, so that's like twenty-four years. Well, still wow. earlier than the average. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's what you know. Talking about that, I or well, I started here at uh, age twenty-two. Yeah. And right away, I started saving as I think it was two hundred and fifty bucks a month. Yeah. And uh, and I never stopped. Yeah. The whole time, and you know, at the time, boy, did that hurt. Yeah. It just felt yeah. it felt like really painful. Yeah. And as as time marched on, it just got easier and easier and easier. And now you don't even like two hundred and fifty no, bucks. That's yeah. how much cell phones cost. Yeah. 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 Which they the didn't cable have bill. A cost of that <laughs> That's right. when you started. For me it was a tax bill. I got a big tax bill one year and I thought I can either give it to the tax man or, or invest it. And that's that's what really did it for me. The T S N turning point. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> what am I writing a check for that for? Um, and that was pretty much it. Well, I've got I've got and, I've got one more quiz I want to give you. All right. And that's because we've got a little bit of time mm-hmm. and this is on your financial stress. So we think you're going to pass this one. All right. So, and this is a short one, three questions. Dealing with money stresses me out. And the question, the answers are never, rarely, sometimes, or often. So dealing with money stresses oh, me out. Oh man, I can't figure this one out. What were they again? One, never, two? Yeah. rarely, sometimes, or often. Uh, I'd say rarely. Okay. And question two, I feel comfortable with my financial situation. Never, rarely, sometimes, or often. Uh, I, I feel, say, I said, did I say comfortable? I meant uncomfortable. Oh. I feel uncomfortable with my financial situation. Uh, often. Yeah. 
And finally, money matters worry me while I'm at work or disrupt my work. Never, rarely, sometimes, or often. Only when I'm asking for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> no, so just I, once a year. Never, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Good. All right. So you're well on your way to financial all-star readiness. You've got a couple more quizzes for you in the following week. So we'll we'll give you a final tally at the end of all this. It's too much stress for me. Does this this quiz pay me? That's what I want to know. Indirectly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just wait. All right. Is that it? We're out of time. A good financial plan indirectly pays everybody. (laughs) Wow. That should be a slogan. It should. That was a good one. All right. We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. A couple of ways to get a hold of them, you can go to the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can actually ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. And of course, you can call them. You can do that now and leave a message. They'll get back to you after the weekend. 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. Have yourself a great hey, week. happy Thanks, Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, yeah.